Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, open your Bibles, turn into 1 Peter for me. We are going to, in the next two weeks, we're going to look at a topic that um, wow, is really dear to my heart. I mean, I'm, the word's the word, and, and I don't want to say like there's uh, topics that are I love more than others. I don't, I don't know if that's the way to say it this morning, but something that really just grabs me. We're going to talk about the next two weeks uh, about anxiety. I felt really impressed of the Lord. I, I personally, I've experienced this. I've walked through some stuff. I know people, you know people, maybe you're experiencing this. And especially it seems like now in today's world, and we're looking ahead to uh, elections, we're looking ahead to the unknown and uncertainty. And, and in the midst of COVID and the things associated with that, isolation and, and fear, and we're looking at, you know, financial situations have changed because of that. Um, we're looking at all kinds of division in our country, et cetera, et cetera. And we break it all down and we're trying to manage emotion in our own life because life still goes on. And then, and then compounded with all these things, I think it's important for us to look and see what the word says to find some help, find some stability, some peace to navigate through this. In fact, I would dare say that it seems to be more prevalent today than maybe at any other time. In fact, if you look at statistics and studies will show that things like anxiety and stress and depression are increasing, mental health things are increasing because of the the times that we're living in right now. As always, the Bible has something uh, powerful to say, something to say about pretty much about any subject, every subject, you can find the word, a word of God for it. Sometimes it's hard to understand and it need, you need to dig into it a little bit. And, and I like it until I shared a few weeks ago a story about uh, my, my daughter and I, we, our washing machine was having this error code and I am not a fix it guy. And uh, I'm a, a make it worse guy, I think if I try and fix it. And so I decided I'm gonna tackle it. I got the manual out, I'm reading the manual. Here's the error code, I'm looking at what it says to do and I, I pull the washing machine out. And anyways, long story short, um, I, I say my daughter and I, but I basically flood the laundry room and, and it took me hours to clean it up, mop and bail and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so I had somebody come and look at it. Um, and so they thought that what I was doing wasn't correct. <laughs> Surprise, I could have I told you that. Thanks for coming and sharing that with me. And, uh, but it, it's still not working. And um, we're not working right. We're getting it to work from time to time, and, you know, trying to just finagle it or whatever. And, um, and so this air code's still there. So my wife is called a tech, a service tech, but they're not coming out right now because they're not going to come into your house and they don't want to come because of COVID or whatever. So we're like, um, wow, okay, so we, you know, we got to wash our clothes still and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I, I spent time, I spent way too much time than I want to admit staring at this manual, reading it over and over. Am I missing something? And I'm just getting frustrated, more frustrated. And I'm like, I'm trying to do it. I'm putting more effort into it. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I understand. I'm not reading it right. I've read it over and over and over again. And I'm not saying this is leading to anxiety, but what I'm saying is, have you ever felt like you're doing everything you know to do and it's not working? And here's what I, here's what I know about this particular subject. I had a, a friend of mine I talked to a few weeks ago. My wife and I went to, to lunch with he and his wife and he's a pastor and, and he was just talking about some struggles he's going through. And he's like, I'm really struggling with some of this. And I, and I talked to a close friend of mine and, and I told him what I'm dealing with. And the close friend of mine who he loves dearly and, and respects dearly said, you know, you just need to pray more and you, and you need to get more scriptures. And what scriptures are you speaking? And what are you doing? And, and I agree when we all need to do more of that, right? We all need to read the Bible more. We all need to confess the word of God more. We all can pray more, but he's like, but it's not working. It's not really helping. And, but we know the word works, right? And so maybe there's something that's not just being understood. And here's a scripture today that speaks about anxiety that I think it's probably one that we most know if you've been in church for a while. It's our go-to. And, and like you, like me, and, and life and things, we can say that we're doing this and we're, we're doing this. We're putting more effort into it. And, and I just don't seem to think like it's working, but I know the word works. So am I missing something? 
And so I want to dig into this scripture a little bit, maybe help us understand something that we're missing. Because what I want to do then is bring some more context. Because you know when you're studying scripture, sometimes we just take scripture at face value. And we can and we should. And there's power there and there's truth there. Right? The word works. But sometimes we've got to dig a little deeper and find some more context. Who was it written to? What were they going through? Then we can bring some other, other things into it and have a greater understanding of it. And then we can say, oh, okay, I get it. And that's my hope this morning. So 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, uh, here's uh, where Peter is, is writing this letter. Obviously, Peter is writing this letter. He's writing it to a group of Christ followers that have been dispersed because of great persecution of the day. They have run because their life is on the line. They're terrified. They're afraid. Uh, they're in fear. They're in worry. And so Peter's writing this letter. This isn't a letter. First Peter is not a letter written that you just sit down with the family and just read. And it's just, oh, this is oh, an enjoyable thing. It was written because uh, it's written to a group of terrified, anxious, fearful Christ followers who've been dispersed or spread out fearing for their lives. And so Peter understands this because he has walked through many things and um, and, and he's been on the run and persecuted, and his life has been on the line. And so let's take a look at what he says here. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, a lot of translations, not the NIV, but other translations, when it gets to between 6 and 7 at the end, he'll lift you up in due time. There's a comma. And it'll say cast or casting, casting all your cares on him, all your anxieties. Many translations have a comma there. Nonetheless, I believe it's a continued thought. I believe six and seven really are packaged together. Let me read it again. How about your serves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast or casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So Peter saying, when it comes to anxiety, now remember who he's writing to, terrified Christ followers that have been dispersed and living all over the place. He's writing to them. He's saying, cast your anxiety. I want you to cast your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And again, I believe that anxiety really is a real issue for many of us today. If we're not experiencing it, we know people that are. So when it comes to anxiety, again, it's easy for us to just not really understand how we cast that. What does that mean? What am I trying to do? I'm literally trying to cast this to God. I'm trying. It's not working. Well, and then we have people that say, well, you haven't really given it to them then. If you're still experiencing it, you need to pray more, worship more, go to church more. And those are great things to do. Maybe a little more, more effort, but anxiety or a simple definition is an all consuming, overwhelming fear that comes over you and incapacitates you. And I don't know if you've ever experienced, but it's not fun. I have. And so I think what Peter's going to start unfolding for these terrified Christ followers is how we can manage this better. And so um, I think that there's something in understanding context today that will help us understand how to navigate this. The scriptures aren't broken. We just need to understand how to apply them properly. And so in verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety or cast your cares on him. You got to cast them. You got to give them. And so could there be more to the story then and how that works and what that looks like? And so this letter, again, was written to believers who are spread out. They're living over here, over here, over there. Small pockets, it's not great communities for the sake of safety. So they're, they're living all over. They've been dispersed in small groups, small communities, not large cities. And so they're kind of, kind of trying to fly under the radar because they're terrified because of life. And it's an urgent letter because of what they're walking through. And they're wondering, is today, they live their life wondering, is today the day that I die? And so what Peter's doing, he's trying to help them understand how you manage this, because what we cannot do, how we cannot manage this is through our individual selves. So we are part of a society that is individualized like never before. 
I mean, technology, right? I mean, you don't have to leave your house for anything. And now throw on top of that isolation. So our society is getting more and more isolated or more and more individualized than ever before. And so that compounds the feelings that we feel when we talk about anxiety. Being isolated and individualized increases our anxiety. It does not decrease it. And you were designed to feel like you are known. You want to be known. You're created with that inside of you. You were made to feel like somebody knows who you are. You want somebody to know who you are. That is a fundament, that's fundamental to the human development, that we want to be known and we want people to know who we are. When you, and when you feel like you're known, then you feel better. But when you feel like you're unknown, can't be known, afraid of people knowing the real you, you feel isolated and separated, left alone with your worries and your fears and your stress. And so this book of First Peter, as he's writing it, was written under the premise that are people gathering in different groups and communities, smaller groups and communities, in this place, this place, and this place, all around. And it's not a large group of people he's addressing, it's people living in small groups. And that's important, we'll get to that in a moment. Small groups of Christians who are persecuted, supporting each other. Let's take a look because we need some context to this letter. So let's go back to the beginning of the letter. First Peter chapter one, verses one and two. Let's see how Peter starts it. I'm gonna read from the message paraphrase because I like how it explains it. He says this, I, Peter, am an apostle on assignment by Jesus the Messiah, writing, now listen, now here's how we know he's writing to, he's giving us context, writing to exiles scattered to the four winds, over here, over there, over here, over here, everywhere. Not one is missing, listen to what he says, not one is missing, not one forgotten. That's good news, I need to know that. God the Father has an eye on each of you. You need to know that. God sees you, he knows where you are, he knows what you're going through no matter what's happening, and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. May everything good be from God be yours. So we get context, or exiled in all these places. But God knows where they are and God's watching them. Jump down to verse 22. It says this in verse 22. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth. Now listen to what he says, and remember who he's writing to. Love one another as if your lives depend on it. Wow, if we just took that phrase, that'd be great for a shirt tree of life, loving one another as if our lives depended on it, right? So listen to what he's saying and understand context again. We're looking ahead to 1 Peter 5, but here's the people he's writing to and they're exiled because they're terrified for their lives everywhere, yet God watches over them. He sees them and he's telling them how to navigate this. You gotta love each other like your lives depended on it. And then jump ahead to chapter two, verses four and five. And he says this, welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ approves life from the God. He's writing to people terrified for their lives, stressed out, anxious, anxiety everywhere. And he's saying, you gotta love like your life depended on it. And then he says, and you gotta live, listen to the metaphor, you gotta live your life like you were building blocks. You see that picture right there? Here's what he's saying. So he's saying, here's how you, anxious people, terrified people, you gotta love each other like your life depended upon it, and you gotta make sure that you're connected like building blocks to each other. Because here's what happens, We isolate ourselves. We slip into this darkness. We stay away. And now we live in a time where everybody has to be self-quarantined and self-isolated. And that just compounds the problem. But Peter's saying, if you want to really healthily deal with anxiety, you got to love each other like your life depended upon it. And then you got to be connected to each other. 
So maybe we don't have the understanding and the fullness of that scripture. And so I can't, I'm trying, I'm I'm praying more, I'm reading more, and I'm I'm confessing more, and it's not working. I don't know what else to do. You know what to do. You need to love each other like your life depended on it, and you need to be connected as if you were building blocks in God's house. But yeah, but I, but I have all these anxieties. Oh, I know. And, and then our tendency is, and the lie of the enemy is, then to isolate yourself. Don't let anybody know. And isn't that what brings on anxiety, living a life that's not really us? We can't let anybody in because of fear of what they'll think about us. And yet our way to health and freedom and to overcome anxiety <clears throat> is to be connected to one another. And can I say in a time like today, that it's a greater struggle. And I appreciate that there's people online. I appreciate there's people in the house and we have... Everybody spread all over the place. It is what it is right now. But listen, we got to find ways to connect. My wife taught a great message two weeks ago. Actually, part of this stems from that. It's like we're better together. We need each other. And this is all for 1 Peter 5. He's writing to Christians terrified and on the run. And he tells them to love each other like your life depended upon it. And he uses this metaphor to live like stones being put together. The picture is of close relationship connected together. Okay. Context. Writing to groups. Relationship circles. You need to love each other like life dependent upon it. You need to be built or connected together. It seems to me that one of the themes of First Peter is deep connection and relationship. And so there, here's the problem right here. Here's the problem right here, right now, right now in this room and this moment. Here's the problem. It's not practical. It's not feasible for us all be, to be together, connected together singularly. You can't. There's just too many people. It's an impossibility. It's not practical or feasible for all of us to be in a singular relationship, much less feel connected. And then you add all the online, at home online experiences, and we're, thank you for joining us online, and you really got to work extra hard to feel connected. And so the church collectively is good, but it's not enough to do this. It's not enough. And I'm pro church. <laughs> I want you to gather together. We need to. But it's not this. And that's part of our fallacy. And so we'll slip in and slip out or we'll spend our time online. But it's not this. So Peter expresses that we need this as part of our freedom from anxiety. So we need to understand that. So we all here and at home will all take 1 Peter 5, 7 and go, go our separate places and we'll go to our homes and our places and we'll go separately and we'll say, I'm going to cast, I'm going to cast them, I'm going to cast, I'm going to cast my anxieties. But it's actually a group project. I'm just going to go home today after the message and I'm going to go to my prayer closet. I'm going to cast my, my anxieties on God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time off tomorrow and I'm going to go sit by the pond and I'm going to cast my anxiety. That's great, but it's a group project. Read First Peter. It's a, it's a group project. And so we, we're looking at that last phrase because he cares for you, because he cares for you. And I wonder then if there's a direct connection or link to the depth of care and connection to each other and to the understanding of the depth of God's care and connection with us. Is our, is our care and connection with one another directly linked to the understanding of God's care and connection to you? Now let me say it like this. Does our lack of care and connection for others reveal what we feel about God's care and connection for us? See, Peter says the reason, the motivation for giving God those crippling fears is because he cares for you. The reason you do that, the motivation is because he cares for you. He never says, gives your anxiety to God because he'll fix it. I didn't read that there. 
He doesn't say give your cares anxieties because he's going to fix it. He says give it to him because he cares about you. Now think about that for a second. Would you rather give it to someone who's going to fix it but doesn't care about you? Or would you rather give it to someone who cares about you who's going to walk you through it? Because the moment you give it to him and he fix it, you're going to go do your own thing. And then it's going to come on you again. As if we wanted to wave a magic wand and God say, boom, there you go. And then they're like, okay, cool. Thank you, God. I'll come see you again when I need you. But God wants to walk you through it because you're going to face it again. Why? Because we live in a broken world and we're broken humanity. And so you don't give it to him so to fix it. You give it to him so he'll walk you through it. And how does he walk you through it? Well, First Peter, part of it's this way. And so I think it's important for us to understand that, 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 that he's going to walk you through it. He cares about you. So you give it to someone who cares and will walk you through it with you. And God, God cares. Do you know then how much God cares for you? Do you know how much God cares for you? I guess ultimately that would be the question. And, and I think we all would say yes, but I don't know that we all really do. And <clears throat> I think we should. I don't think we understand how much he cares for us. Now, let me, let me say it this way. You don't see all of me. I mean, some of you, I, a lot of you, most of you, I don't even know your names. I can't. I can't. I appreciate people coming up to me when we're in public and introducing themselves and stuff because I just, I can't know everybody's name. And you see me up here and that, that's it. I can't. There's just no way. I, I, you, don't see, but you don't see all of me. Even if you do, you don't see all of me. And part of that is because I don't, I don't want to show you all of me because you might not like all of me. I mean, I'm really likable. I'm really lovable. But in our human nature, we may not just like every part of somebody else. I mean, even in our marriages sometimes, right? It's just like... We love them, but we may not like all of it. And so there's a part of me that's guarded. And, and, I, and now I'm a pastor, and, but before I'm a pastor, I'm a son of God, amen. Before I'm a pastor, I'm a husband and a father. But I've learned over time how to be a pastor. And sometimes, just sometimes, I wonder, am I being me or am I playing a role? Because I can come into a room full of people and be pastor. I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm this way and this way and this way and this way. And I'm not saying I'm being fake. I'm just saying I'm just showing you a part of me because I'm afraid if there's parts of me that you see and you don't like, you won't want to be with me anymore. And that's our humanity. And then we live our life that way too many times and, uh, because I have issues. I have brokenness just like you do. But what happens is we're all afraid of letting others people see it because we don't know if we'll still be liked, loved, or appreciated. And over time, that leaks into our relationship with God. We wonder, does God care about all the parts of me? Because I know people who don't. Do you think God cares about every part of you? The good parts and the bad parts? Do you think God cares about the lying part of you? The cheating part of you? The lustful part of you? The temper, anger part of you? There's an old uh, statement that hate the sin but love the sinner. But I'm not so sure we can always do that. <laughs> it's difficult. And so we think God loves us and then he gets to see the temper and the arrogance and the lustfulness and the addictions and, and parts of us and we think God goes, oh, wow. And then we're like, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm, I'm gonna go work on that and come back and as if God said, yeah, please do. That's, that's yucky. That's, man, at least you're accepting responsibility. That's the first step in the <laughs> process. We live our life that way. And, but that's how people react. And that's even how churches react at times. But that's not how God reacts. 
And, and sometimes people want to share something, and sometimes people want to come up share something. We're like, oh, hey, 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 I don't need to know that. That's between you and God. TMI. You take that to the Lord, my friend. And so a lot of anxiety happens because a lot of times that we feel like nobody knows us. And no one knows who we really are, and we feel like we really can't tell anybody because it might cost me. And so it takes everything you've got to get it together just to get through a day. And so can we understand or believe that God loves every single part of us? Can you believe that God loves every single part of you? And you might say that can't be. But understand this, where you're hurting the most, he rushes to that the most. Where you're broken the most, he rushes to that the most. He loves you, all of you, every part of you, like a father would. So if we can believe God cares, every part of us, and when you believe God cares about even the bad part, you will be, there'll be a, a humbling or a settling in your soul. If I believe that God believes, cares about every part of me, even the bad parts, I don't want anybody, even him, to know about, and let me just let you know, he knows everything can't hide anything from him. But when we all of a sudden believe that he loves us, even the bad parts of us, then there's a settling in our soul. Well, a humility that now we can go to God humbly, humble yourselves. So when we believe that he really cares and loves every part of us, even the gross parts and ugly parts, we don't want anyone to ever understand or see or figure out, and we can know God knows us, everything about us, and loves us still, every part of us, then there's this humbling that we can go to God. And now we go to God for our counsel. Now we go to God for our direction. Or in a sense, organically, if you will, casting our care upon him. Now we're asking him, what can I do? We're asking him, what do you want me to do? What's the answer to this? Because now we've humbled ourselves because we feel so settled, because we truly believe that he cares about every part of us, even the part we hate and other people's hate. So you go to God in a very authentic way. Saying, God, I keep getting worked up about this. Can you... Can you speak to me about this? Can you show me? Can you take this? Can I give this to you? And 1 Peter 5, 7 is most likely written from Psalm 55, 22. Let's take a look at Psalm 55, 22. Here's what it says in the Old Testament. More likely, Peter got it from here. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now, that's a classic Christian phrase today. We believe this verse. We typically will probably look at casting your care in this filter, this lens. is kind of typical. We believe that we can cast our care upon the Lord. He will sustain us as long as we are righteous. And that's what we believe. The good part of us, the righteous part of us, is what God will take care of, what God cares about. I get anxious because I, I don't think that he likes the bad part of me. I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not, I don't measure up. I, I'm, I'm trapped and no one really knows me. But the verse in Psalms, understand the verse in Psalms, if you could put that verse back up for me, please. The verse in Psalms where it says righteous, it's, it's, it's been fulfilled. If you could put Psalms back up there for me, it's been fulfilled not in who we are, but who Jesus is. What we need to understand, that verse has been fulfilled in Jesus when it says righteousness. We, it ought to get us then. When it says righteousness, it ought to get us now to 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So listen, listen, God's care for you is not based on your performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. So how can you say that God loves every part of me, even the bad parts? It's because not what you have done, but what Jesus has done. Not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus. That's how God views you. So he can care for every part of you. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. All you had to do was receive his performance in your life. He cares for you simply because you've accepted the righteousness given through Jesus. And so now, as God sees you, he sees you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But you're hidden in Christ Jesus. Therefore, God loves every inch of you. He cares for you. And when you understand that, there is a settling, a humbling. And even when you mess up, and when you do what you do, and we do, he says, I know that's not you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I know that's not who you are. And I still love you. Now go back to 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. Humble yourselves. Look at the word yourselves. Humble yourselves. Yourselves is plural. We want to take this verse and go, I need to humble myself. No. You need to learn how to humble yourselves. You need to learn how to be content together. You need to learn how to rest in God's love together. You need to do this together. You need to love together. You need to be together. That tells me the act of casting my care upon God should also be done together. I need people that will help me. I need to be doing it together. I need to be built and connected with people and so we can do it together. That's where our strength comes from. I need you to help me. You need me to help you. So here's the problem, Tree of Life. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that call this place home, 2,000 people that call this place home and and. And it's hard in the midst of COVID to come and we have people in here and in second service we'll have people in here spread out, we'll have people in overflow number one, we'll have people in overflow number two, we'll have people online in their homes. It's hard to do it during this time. It's hard. We're having a hard time experiencing yourselves. There's too many people only experiencing yourself. And they sit over here and over there and overflow this and overflow that and online and at home and everywhere. And so we're in danger of becoming more individualized and more isolated. It's becoming easier to never get to be a part of yourselves. The statistics say 30 to 40% of people that were regular churchgoers won't come back. You get comfortable, whatever that looks like. I don't, I'm not saying that's anybody that's watching today. That will never reconnect again. In-person gatherings, small groups, home fellowships, online groups, outdoor events, serving, giving, prayer. And it's apparent to me in this book that it's written to people whose lives are dominated with fear and anxiety about the future and harm that could come to them, that this cannot be an isolated, individualized fight. It has to be a group project. It has to be a group project, according to First Peter. You look in the scripture, you see a time where Jesus was dealing with stress that we couldn't even imagine. I mean, when you look at the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that Jesus went there, and it says he went with his disciples 12 
It says he went away with Peter, James, and John 3. It says that he prayed and he was under so much pressure and stress, so much pressure and stress that he was sweating blood. So the Bible says. So much pressure and stress that he's sweating blood. In fact, let's take a look at Mark 14, 32, 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, the 12, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John 3 along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed. I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed right now to the point of death. I want to die. I can't handle this load. It's not interesting that in the most stress-filled time that Jesus himself was in, he had not only 12, he had the three. He had the three with him. He had Peter, James, and John. What, 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 did, what, what did he have with him? Was he trying to make? He had him with him. He had him with him. And if Jesus' model for you and I is to handle stress and anxiety with people, then that would be our model. You can't do it alone. You cannot. You have to be built together. And so we all need a Peter, James, and John. And we, we've come to a church like this, and this is not what it is. It, this, this can produce, this can lead up to Peter, James, and John in your life, and it needs to. But this isn't enough just to make it happen. But it can lead to it. It can produce that. But if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't produce that, things like anxiety are going to be very difficult to overcome. This is a group project. You're a social being and the rise of depression and anxiety is due to the individualization and isolation of our nation. We're all fighting alone and isolated. And Jesus shows up that when you're in your lowest moment, you need to have a Peter, James, and John. Are you connected? We need a Peter, James, and John in our lives. We need this. Listening, that's the future of this church. Listen, things have changed. We are not, even if they hadn't changed, we're not looking to fill auditoriums. We're looking for everybody to have a Peter, James, and John. That's our mission. Not to see how many people we can jam in here and overflow one and overflow two, how many people we can get online. That's not how success, that's not how freedom, that's not how we're gonna eradicate anxiety in this church. We're gonna do it by everyone having a Peter, James, and John in their life. That's what we need to be about. And that's what First Peter's about. We need, to have, we need to be known and we need to know others. And we as a church have to work diligently to do this. I need a Peter, James, and John, and I need to be a Peter, James, and John. Cast your cares upon him. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He loves you. He loves you. You need to know that. And then you need other people in your life. Love each other like your life depended on it. And get connected. Like building blocks. And if we'll do that, church, we can eradic eradicate, at least here, anxiety in our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today. In this message, tackling a very sensitive, a very real topic, real to me and to many here is we need to understand what the word says. We try to bring context today for a greater understanding of how we walk this out in victory because it's overwhelming, it's paralyzing. For too many of us, and we live in a world and a society today with COVID and everything that we're even more individualized, even more isolated than ever before, and we can't let it be that way. But just as Jesus did, we all need a Peter, James, and John in our life. We all need people that we can be connected to. But most importantly, we need to know that he cares. 
about your good and your bad. He cares about what people know about you and what people don't know. He cares about the secrets that nobody knows but you. And you're ashamed and you live in this, in this trap and this darkness, afraid. If someone finds out, what will they think of you? But God loves you just as you are, all of you. Every inch of you. He knows everything about you. And he loved you so much, he still gave his life for you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.